Hallelujah. Is it fun to worship? I don't know about you, but I... But Bradley, sit beside your wife. <laughs> Sam will understand. Max. So will Max. You got to teach... I mean, he went all the way to Costa Rica to get married... And he doesn't sit beside her. I love you, Brad. You're a mighty man. Stand up for a second. Turn around. This guy is going to do mighty exploits. What you need to do is you need to pour into young men and young women. We've got a few of them. We've got a number of them. Pour into them. We've got a lot of them. So if you've got something to pour... You find a young man, and you pour into him what God gives you. Amen? Because they're going to carry the torch. They're going to, take our, they're going to jump from our shoulders, and they're going to go forward. My kids are not starting behind me. They're starting on top of me, and they're going forward. And same with my nephews and my nieces. Amen. That was an impromptu. Have you ever hoped for something? This is not a good time to raise your hands, but has anybody here ever bought a lottery ticket? <laughs> lottery tickets thrive on hope. They thrive on a dream. I mean, they got these pictures of guys going in these motor homes, and they got this beautiful beach beside them, and the sun is shining, and they got this crack. I've been in a motor home. It isn't all that it cracks up to be, especially when you got four kids. I mean, holidays is a conundrum. I have a beautiful 2,000 square foot home that I work and that God has provided us with, and then I work like crazy so I can take two weeks off to live in a tent, not even protected, no bathrooms. I mean, so holidays are like overrated. If you go talk to Mike and Sandra, they'll tell you where to go for a nice holiday. But hope. Hope. And in today's world, we got this idea of hope, and we painted it, and we've almost made it so that it's just like a wish. It's, oh, just, well, I hope to win the lottery. I hope to get a car. I hope. And when it doesn't happen, we just go, Oh, well. Oh, well. I would suggest to you that that's not really hope. In the scriptures, when it talks about hope, it doesn't have a hope that's just an, oh, well. It has a hope that has an expectation carried with it. So in the scriptures, when it says, my hope is in you, Lord, he's not just saying, oh, well. He's saying, no, my expectation, in fact, not only expectation, but a favorable expectation. I've never seen somebody who hopes to get a flat tire on the way home. I've never seen somebody who hopes an investment will go down the drain. 
I've never met someone such as my brother Daniel who hopes gold prices goes down. There's a favorable expectation that things will get better and better and better. So when we hope for something, we're looking for something better than what we have now. Otherwise, what's there to hope for? So if you haven't figured out yet, today I want to take a few minutes and I want to talk about hope. I want to talk about Jesus being our hope. Um, the next few weeks, we've got next Sunday is going to be the 13th and then April 20th. And the next two Sundays, including today, I want to take some time thinking and talking about Jesus. And April, 3rd, uh, April 20th, we have a couple, uh, couple people that want to get baptized, and there may be more of you. And we're going to have a baptism service on Easter Sunday. And God gave me this crazy idea. God, God doesn't give me simple things. He gives me crazy ideas. And he said, David, and I said, yes, Lord. He said, um, Easter Sunday... I want you to throw the net out. And we're going to go for souls on Easter Sunday. So I want to tell you right now, if you have somebody in your life that is not saved, bring them to church Easter Sunday. Because I'm going to ask God to give me the sermon. I mean, I'm stepping out here, but I'm asking God to give me a sermon, and we're going to throw the net out, and we're going to see if there's anybody that wants to accept Christ as their Savior on Easter Sunday and get baptized the same day. I told that to my wife. She looks at me and goes, we don't have enough shorts and T-shirts. I don't know how that's going to work yet. But we're going to say, if you want to get baptized, even if they haven't prepared for it and they haven't brought a towel or t-shirt and shorts, we're going to say, if you want to get baptized, you can get baptized now. I mean, Philip's on the road, and the guy says, what prevents me from getting baptized? There's water here, let's do it. So I want to ask you to pray about that. If you've got some people in your one for two, invite them out. Let's put out some extra chairs. Let's fill this auditorium. Let's do something crazy. So as we get prepared for that, I want to encourage you and I want to give you some thoughts about Jesus so that when you talk to people, you can give them some thoughts. So the first thing I want to tell you is with Jesus, we have hope. You can tell somebody that there is a hope. The, one of the, the, the words hope, one of the verses or many of the verses, most of the verses seem to deal with the future. So we have a hope, not only for here, but we have a hope of an expectation, a favorable expectation of heaven. And if you read the scriptures, there's many verses on that. But today I want to take a few other moments. And I'm going to give you 1, 2, 3, 4 times 12. Um, no, I'm just kidding you. I'm going to give you 1, 2, 3, 4, say 5 thoughts in about 10 minutes. That's a good place for an amen. amen. And that's a good place for prayer. Hope. If you turn in your Bibles, we're gonna, we, we got a number of verses we're going to look at. So 
So either turn in your Bibles or get your iPads and your iPhones and your Androids and everything else ready because we're going to get your Bible apps open. Um, we're going to go to 1 Peter 1.3. It's almost a bit of a teaching this morning, but I want to I encourage you and I want to give you some thoughts as to the hope that lies within you because of what He has done. In 1 Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed, I'm waiting for my wife. Are you there yet, honey? Good, I'll wait for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and listen to this, which according to His minimal mercy. What, what, what word do you have in there before the word Mercy. Abundant, boundless. Oh, I like that. Boundless. Oh, what love, what boundless love. Anyways, I won't start singing. According to his abundant or boundless mercy, has begotten us again unto a dead hope. Living, living, living. The hope that you have is alive. The hope that you have lives and breathes and has life. He, he begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Everything that we can hope for, everything that we can expect, everything that we can ask God for is based on Him rising from the dead and conquering death. Because He conquered death, we can expect and see things happen in our lives. We can have an expectation of favor, a favorable expectation because of what He did. And it's a lively hope. It's alive. It's not dead. It's alive. It bun I mean, we had children galore in this facility. I love it. During worship, I could hear them yelling. I could hear them singing. Actually, they weren't yelling. They were singing and praising God in tongues. It's exciting. There, you want to see life? You go around children. And then watch your knees and watch your shins. Because they'll run into you. But there's life. And God has birthed us, has begotten us again unto a lively hope. The hope that you have within you is a hope that is alive. You have a favorable expectation that's alive, it's exuberant, and it's, abound, it's based on the boundless or the abundant mercy. I thank God that Jesus is not, you know, He's not stingy. I thank God that, that He's not just saying, well, oh boy, I gave you enough yesterday. Forget it, not today. No, he's, it says, His mercies are new Every morning. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope. There are mornings when I wake up and I say, thank you. There's times when I lay down at night and I say, thank God, tomorrow's a new day. Because I got new mercies. Boy, do I need them. 
We have a life. The hope that you have within you is a hope that's alive. This is the hope that you can share with those around you. If you go to the next verse, he explains it a bit more. He says, He's begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible. <laughs> you cannot corrupt his inheritance. We have some computer people here, my sons and some others, that help me out a lot because it seems like on the computer I'm not very good. I got like left hands only. And if you have a file that's corrupted, it's like no good. He says, I've given you an inheritance that's incorruptible. You cannot even corrupt it. You can't even mess it up. You can't because he gave it. Just like Sean shared in communion this morning. It's because of what he did. And he's good. So everything he gives is good. Everything he gives comes from that basis. Everything that he does, and it's immense, it's large, it's abundant, it's huge. It's incorruptible because it comes from him. He sustains it all, he holds it all, and he is the one that carries it all. An inheritance. You, you gotta, we don't have time today, but when you look at what the inheritance uh, is... It blows you away. Not only does he say it's incorruptible, but then he goes, in addition to the fact that it's incorruptible, it's undefiled. This is the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. And it doesn't fade away. It's reserved for you in heaven. And I would suggest to you that it's not just reserved in heaven, but what he has in heaven, he has for you now to enjoy. There is a future benefit, definitely. I mean, there's some great things. I, I mean, I enjoy life. But what I enjoy here is nothing to what he's got up, reserved up for me there. But he didn't just say, get saved and hang on till Jesus comes. He says, I want you to save you, and I've got this joy for you. I've got this hope for you that's lively because he was raised from the dead. In fact, if you look in, in uh, I think it's in 1 John 3, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. Do you know he destroyed them once and for all? The work that he did 2,000 plus or minus years ago is sufficient now just as much as it was three days later. It doesn't lose its power. And so we have this hope within us of what Jesus did. In Psalms it says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. If you put your trust in the wrong thing, if you put your hope in the wrong thing, you will be disappointed. Misplaced hope will have misplaced and disappointment come with it. But if you place your hope in Him, you will not be disappointed. 
There's about three or four things that you place your hope in. Hope in his word. Hope in his word. Pastor Daniel referred to Psalm 119 this morning. It has 176 verses. If you look at that psalm, and you take the time to read 176 verses, you'll find two or three verses in there that do not refer to his word. Every other verse, so in the neighborhood of 174 173, 174 verses have his, his word, statutes, um, your precepts, your law, all referring to God and the truth and the word of God. Every ver- virtually every verse in Psalm 119 refers to his word. And in that psalm, he talks, he's got many verses, there's about three or four, but if we just went to Psalm 119, verse 49 to start. He says, remember the the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. You can read his word and you can hope based on what you read. I'll say that again because that might cause you to shout amen. You might even stand up and say preach it. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. You can read his word and you can have a hope and an expectation based on what this word says. You can read a contract from somebody and when you read that contract you have an expectation based on what the words of that contract says. And the funny thing is, when it's a contract, usually it's a mutual thing between two people. This contract, Jesus provided this without even consulting you and me. He didn't sit down and say, David, I got this idea, let's negotiate. He said, David, I've got this for you, and here it is. I mean, it's better than a contract. It's a covenant, and he does not break his covenant. So every promise in here is yes and amen. It's not maybe. It's yes and amen. The promises of Jesus when we do what his word says are yes and amen. That gives me hope. Do you know there's verses that I have lived off of for over 30 years? When I was in high school, my teacher said, David, find a verse, memorize it, claim it, live by it. So I looked for one that I thought was the best, and I came up with Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. So when I was 16 years old, I had this desire that I wanted to be a professional athlete. So I just started to delight myself in the Lord, and I blew out my knee. And the teacher, he, continued, he said, David, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. So I said, I will. So I purposed to delight myself in the Lord. What I found is the more I delighted in him, the less I needed to be a professional athlete. You know, I, I watched the shows, the interviews. So you've just won the Stanley Cup. And then the guy goes, well, I thank the Lord, my Savior, that he gave me all these abilities. So I thought that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to stand in front and say, well, it wasn't me. It was really God in me. That's why I'm such a great athlete. So I had, all, I had these things all mixed up. 
But I took that verse, I put my hope in that verse, and I lived what that verse said. Quite simply, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I started to delight myself in the Lord. You know what I found? I found my desire started to change, and he started to give me the desires of my heart. One of the desires I had when I was 17 years old, I blew out my knee. I was in high school, grade 12, and I said, God, I'd like to go to Bible college next year, but I don't have money. Not only do I want to go to Bible college, but I'd like to get a brand new car. You see how crazy I am? That's the way I think. And Pastor Daniel's not far behind. He shared with me some of his ideas. We got some crazy ideas because we believe in a God that does the crazy. And I want to challenge you. You, you think crazy. Think crazy. Because God's on the cray-cray side. So I said, so I said, God, I'd like to go to Bible school, so I will put, and it cost me about $1,500, somewhere around there. I said, but I'd really like to have a brand new car. Because my mom had a Ford Escort, and it just wasn't cool. <laughs> Sorry, mom, but I have to be honest. So I prayed to God, and I said, Lord, but I'm going to delight myself in you. Do you know I graduated in that summer? I paid my tuition for first-year Bible school, and I bought a brand-new car, no loan, nothing, cash down. 17 years old. And I didn't buy a cheap car. I bought a nice one, a Honda Accord. I could have bought a Honda Civic, but no, I wanted something nicer. <laughs> Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. You either believe it or you don't. You either do it or you don't. We, we wanted, I wanted to have a house. I grew up on, on, on space and land. I didn't, have a, I didn't live in a subdivision. So we got married. I said, Lord, I'd like to have a house. We drove over this hill and there was a subdivision. I was in university, college. We had a child. I worked part-time for my dad. It didn't make sense. I didn't have a down payment. And we drove over this hill, and there was a sign saying subdivision coming. I said, I'd love to have a house in that subdivision. Man, I'm stupid. Okay? Sometimes crazy and stupid are almost one and the same. And this subdivision is happening, and they're paving the road, and all of a sudden they stop. And I would ride over that hill, and I just said, God, I'd love to live here. And one day, Pastor Nelson called me, and he said, Hey, David, there's some lots here. I think we can do something. I had help from my mom I, and dad. I had help from Pastor Nelson and Pastor Louise. And Winona and I built our house. And I was in college, university, working as many hours as I could, but I wasn't making what everybody else did. I mean, God, delight yourself in the Lord, and he gives you the desires of your heart. My hope was in that verse, and I had a favorable expectation of what would happen. Then I turn around a few years later, and I decide I want property. And I tell God where I want it, how close to the freeway, it can't be far. You know what? He provides me a place to live. We bought it. 
and it was cash flow positive from the start. That doesn't happen, does it, Brandon? Or Brendan? Brendan, Brandon. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> but it doesn't happen that way. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I start to hope in that verse. I got an expectation of God because of what his word says. Put your hope in this. Put your hope in this. Put your expectation in this. Not just I wish or I hope. No, I expect a favorable outcome when I live according to what this word says because his word doesn't come back to him empty. It accomplishes what he says. So when I speak things over people's lives and it lines up with his word, I expect something to happen. I'm expecting Bradley will change countries and nations because he's a man of influence and I'm declaring the word over him. And you start doing that. And what you start doing, I, I put my hope in his word. I'm not frivolous. I am crazy, but I'm not frivolous. I'm crazy enough to believe what this word says. I'm crazy enough to put my thoughts aside and say, I put my expectation in you. Because of what Jesus did. It's not because of what I've done. It's not because of what you did. It's because of what he did. He paid the price so that we could live the way we live. Put your hope in his word. Another one. Put your hope in him. Put your expectation in him. If you're going to believe somebody. Why not believe the biggest one around? I mean if you're going to put your trust in something. Why not put it in him? Don't put it in me. Don't put it in me. Put it in him. I mean if you got a choice. Kind of like, God, David. God, David. No brainer. <laughs> Psalm 33, verse 22. Are you receiving this this morning? I'm putting my hope and expectation for two weeks from now that we're going to see people get saved. Give their lives to Christ. And be translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And get a whole new identity. That's, I'm crazy enough to believe that. And I'm crazy enough to hope and pray that you will join me in that. Psalm 33. Verse 22. By the way, that's not the only verse on hope in his word. There's a number of them. But I'm actually winning wing down my sermon and trying to be short so that I don't go long. That was another good, there was a few people that said hallelujah, yeah. 33, 22. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Put your hope in him. A couple benefits you see there. His mercy will be upon you. When you hope in him, you get his mercy. And his mercy is pure. His mercy doesn't have strings attached. 
His mercy doesn't have an expiration date or a best before time. His mercies are new every morning. I mean, if you don't use them up from one day, don't worry. You get a whole new batch tomorrow. And if you do run out at 10 o'clock at night, go to bed because then you don't do as much damage when you're sleeping and get up the next morning and they're new. I'll give you an address of a couple other verses, so I'll, I'll read them to you. Hope in Him. Psalm 130, verse 7. You don't have to turn there. It says, Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with Him is plenteous redemption. <laughs> he doesn't just say redemption. He said plenteous. I mean, God is a God of overflow. God isn't a God of just enough. He says, he says he's a God of more than enough. He's a God that loves to do more than enough. When he sent them out to fish, he didn't just say, you're just going to get a few fish in your boat. They had so much in their boat, they actually had to have other guys help them bring it in. When he fed the children, he took, I, I'm just amazed by this, he took two, loaves, uh, two, two fish and five loaves. A couple Happy Meals. He had 5,000. And some people will say that was 5,000 men. To me, it's like 5,000 is 5,000. That's good just to start there. 5,000. And he takes five pieces of bread. Now, if you do the math, that means one loaf's got to do 1,000 people. I have one loaf, and we got six of us, or four of us in our house, and that barely does one day. So I did the math. It's like something's not doing it right. Two fish. And this was a kid's meal. It wasn't a meal for me. It was a kid's meal. So I don't think it was like a fish this big. But even if it was, two of them fed 5,000. And if that's not enough, he says, guys, I'm going to have some fun. Collect the waste and see what's left over. <laughs> They had more left over than they started with to begin with. I'm not sure if you heard that. They had more left over than they started with. They had more left over than they started with. What are you starting with? What are you starting with? Expect that you have more left over when you finish than when you started. And in the meantime, you're feeding 5,000. Then he says, he, 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 oh, he has so much fun with the guys, he does it again. And they don't understand it a second time. If you read the scriptures, he does it again a little bit later. The crowds are so big. What do we have to eat? You figured they'd figure that out by then. Where's your hope? Where's your expectation? Is it in a God that takes five loaves and two fish and has like 12 baskets left over? Or is it in a something else that only lasts as long as your energy? Or it only lasts until you hurt them? I mean, when you put trust in man, you're going to get hurt. They are going to let you down. Put trust in him. He doesn't let you down. 
hope in him. There's plenty redemption. It doesn't matter how bad you think you've been. He's got plenty of redemption. He says, it's okay. I've got more than enough to take care of you. One of the craziest guys in the New Testament, a guy named Paul, is running around and seeing people put to death in the name of Jesus. He thinks he's doing them a favor, and he's all zealous, and he's clearing out all these guys. God comes to him and interrupts his life. He does a complete 180, goes the other way. I don't know about you, but he was a pretty mean character. When Stephen was stoned, they took his jacket and they threw it at his feet. They showed him what was done. He was consenting unto his death. And God turns around and says, no, I want you. Don't think, don't think, don't think God can't reach you. He's got plenty of redemption. He's got so much it's more than you need. It doesn't matter what you've done. I'm serious. It doesn't matter what you've done. He's greater. You say, well, I said bad things. He's greater. I've hurt people. He's greater. Man, I've done some things I don't even want to talk about. He's greater. He is plenteous. In his redemption. Why? Because we can put our hope in him. Don't put your hope in a vehicle because it's going to run out of gas. Don't put your hope in an animal. You have to feed them every day. Don't put your hope in a friend. Don't put your hope in a job because you could have a layoff tomorrow. Don't put your hope in money because that has wings so many different ways I can't figure it out. Put your hope in Him. It doesn't mean you don't get a good job. Get a good job doesn't mean you don't get a vehicle. Get a good vehicle. But when you put your hope in Him, the alignment happens and He is the one that looks down and He takes care of you. Instead of you fighting and fussing and trying to take care of everything around. Man, oh, I got to take, take this. Oh, I got to take this. And we start running around like chicken with our head cut off. I mean, we just go crazy. We can take that same situation trust in Him and He can take care of it. Do you hope? Do you have a favorable expectation that when He is in charge, things can get taken care of? You can hope in His mercy. I'll give you a couple verses there. Psalm 147, verse 10 and 11. He takes pleasure in you. He takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. You want to please God, hope in his mercy. Lamentations 3, 21 to 23. 
And that's the verse that talks about His mercies. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Wow. Hmm. I want to close with, with a bit of an expectation that you can have. In Colossians 1.27, Paul is praying for his people. And he prays for them and he goes, he's talking to them and he says, you know, God, I want God to make known to you what is the riches of his glory of this mystery. So there's a mystery and he wants you to understand the riches of it and the glory of it and the beauty of it. And the riches is that Christ is in you. The riches is Christ in you. The hope of glory. And that's not just talking about future. That's talking about that you can see and expect presence of God, His glory to come around you wherever you are. I expect, I have a hope that when you come across me, you will be touched on Monday, not just Sunday. If you come around me on Tuesday and you accidentally grab my hand and shake it, I have a hope and an expectation that I have the glory of God inside of me that my hope and expectation is you will experience the glory of God. It's a mystery. I can't explain it. How somebody infinite can live in somebody finite. But that's why I guess he's just bursting at the seams. He's got to let himself out. My expectation and my hope is you call me on Wednesday and you will get blessed. Because God doesn't have a problem with airwaves, phone bills, or any other aspect of telecommunications. My daughter calls me yesterday and when my wife says, I can't handle it, I did not like getting that phone call. And she's in tears. And she goes, Dad, you got to pray. And I just love it. She says, and it better be a good prayer. It better be your best one yet. Why did she call? She has a hope. She has an expectation. I was praying that it would be gone completely. It wasn't. But at least they didn't have to do surgery. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. I mean, she's a thousand kilometers away. I can't tell you how that grabs your heart. And if that bothers me, just a mere mortal, how much more do you think our Heavenly Father will do whatever He can to give you what you need? Where's your hope? If you don't have an idea where your hope is, today you can. So as I close, I want to give you an invitation to get to know Jesus, the guy I've been talking about. 
He will give you hope that surpasses hope. He will give you an expectation that passes and goes beyond what you would expect right now. He will cleanse you from all sin. He will wipe away your past like that. He's quicker than a computer file. If you don't know where your hope is, now is a time, just like Sean said earlier, today is the day of salvation. Today. Salvation is here. And if you need to know where your hope lies, I want to introduce you to Jesus. He walked on this earth as a man. And he paid the price so that we could be reconciled back to God. And he was the only one that could meet the requirements of a pure, holy, just God. He was 100% God, 100% man, and that's all I know. I can't explain it any other way. But he came and he bore my sin, your sin, so that we could be raised again to have a lively hope, which is spending time with him in eternity. And he can change your perspective. He can actually change the way you look. I have seen people who have accepted Christ and their face changes. Because they now have a hope. When their hope was lost, they now have a hope that is found. So if you meet any of those things and you identify them, I just want to pray for you. We don't have to make a big deal. In the Bible, they, I don't see a whole lot of altar calls. But I see salvations. And they said, what do I have to do to be saved? He says, what do I have to be saved? Peter says, or in Romans, it says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the entrance into the kingdom. So this morning, if you want to be entering into that kingdom, if you want to exchange your hope for his hope, I want to pray for you. So if you can just close your eyes. And if you can identify with that at all, you can just agree with me as we pray. And you say, well, gee, there's a lot of us that are Christian. Yeah, then I want to encourage you to pray for your hope to increase. Pray for your expectation. Pray that God would challenge you to take your hope out of your sight and out of what you see and place it in what he sees. So Heavenly Father, I pray if there's anyone here that does not know you as their personal Savior who has no hope but wants to have hope, wants to see an expectation of a future life with you present and a future life in heaven. Someone that wants to see their life be transformed, cleansed from all unrighteousness, and restored into a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would believe in their heart and they would confess with their mouth, Jesus, you are my Savior. And if that's you or if there's anyone here, you can just say, Jesus, I believe in you. You are my Savior. 
And I am switching teams from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. Welcome into the kingdom of God. And Lord, I pray for those those of us that know you, but sometimes we get busy in life and we put you aside because we have so many things happening around us. Lord, I ask that you would be gracious enough to show your mercy upon us. Your mercies that are new today, and Lord, I ask that you would help me just to keep, that, that I would keep my eyes on you. That I would put my hope and trust again in what you do and what you say in your word. And I would saturate myself in your word. Hallelujah.